0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Sideline to Sideline podcast. It's been a while. Uh, I did take a vacation last week, so we are coming back to you after two weeks of the NFL and NBA seasons uh, going along, and we are going to start this time with the NBA. I am your host, Jeremy Guerin, as always, and I will be talking about uh, both the NFL and the NBA, and hopefully with a major announcement coming up later in the podcast, some other sports as well because of some of the additions that we have made to FanSource Network. But anyways, let's dive right in to the NBA. Um, the first topic that I want to get into is Carmelo Anthony. Now, his agent went in, uh, went on the record saying that he wanted to have Melo get a farewell tour, just like D-Wade, and that's what Melo wanted to do. And Melo went on first take. Um the day that this is being recorded, I think August 2nd, I believe, and he talked about how he he just wanted another chance to play. Now, first of all, let, let's get something right out of the way, um, right off the bat. Carmelo Anthony does not deserve a farewell tour. I mean, I, I feel like that shouldn't even have to be said, and yet here I am saying it. Um, what has he done to deserve it? Yes, he deserves to get, like, a tribute video, like, for instance, Bruce Bochy, manager of the Giants, got a tribute video in San Diego last night because he was manager of the Padres for a number of years. Yes, if Melo goes back to New York, he should get a tribute video. If he goes back to Denver, he should get a tribute video. But why in the world is he getting a uh, a farewell tour like a D-Wade, like a Kobe got, or like LeBron will get, maybe KD might get? Um, Frankly, he just doesn't deserve it. I don't know why he thinks he does. I think that this is absolutely stupid. Um, he didn't do enough. And also, he never even played in an NBA Finals. I'm pretty sure that's a pretty big requirement for you having to be an all-time great. Well, at least Charles Barkley, yes, he didn't win a title, but at least he got to in NBA Finals. So guys who haven't won it, like a Patrick Ewing, he got to one. Um, you need to have not only the resume in the regular season, But at least something, something in the postseason to deserve a farewell tour, let alone a tribute video. Uh, Sorry, said that backwards. Uh, A tribute video, let alone a farewell tour. D-Wade got it because he's a three-time champ and he carried teams on his back. Dirk got it because he carried a team on his back and won an NBA Finals as the lone superstar and beat LeBron, Wade, and Chris Blosh. Uh, LeBron's going to get one because he's an all-time great. Top five, probably. He's number uh, probably number three for me right now behind MJ and Magic. Um, but that's just me, obviously. that That's a whole separate discussion for another day. Uh, yeah, I don't see why Carmelo Anthony thinks that he deserves to win a title. I don't. I, I sorry, A uh, farewell tour. Jeez. He didn't win a title. He didn't win a ring. He's probably not going to get into the hall of fame. He had the chance to win a ring. Let's not forget. Um, when LeBron and D Wade were thinking about destinations that they wanted to go play together in, Carmelo was part of those discussions and they said, Hey, Melo. Why don't you come down to Miami with us? He said, nah, I'm good. I got the, I got the money. I love this massive contract I have in New York. I'm going to stick with the Knicks for a while. And obviously, they were a dumpster fire. I think they did finish with a two-seed one year with Mike Woodson at the helm. I think it was 2014, if I'm not mistaken. But then they lost to LeBron in the Heat, I believe, in the playoffs. Either way, they never even made a conference finals. Um, this this Carmelo Anthony business is just so laughable. I don't understand why in the world, he would think that he deserves it. Um, I mean, there's not really much else to say. It's just kind of sad, to be honest with you. This dude was a perennial all-star, a really good scorer on a talented team um, just five years ago. And to see him drop off so far, to see the Atlanta Hawks paying him $28 million not to play for them, to pay him $28 million not to play for them, it's really quite sad. Um, he tried to make a run of it with the Thunder and the Rockets. Obviously, didn't work out. I just... I look at this and just say, why? Why in the world do you think you deserve it? And yes, he did go on first take today and said all he wants to do is play another season. But honestly, why would LeBron even want him? I get that LeBron's his best friend, him, Chris Paul, they're tight. I don't understand. Uh, D-Wade, you can throw in there, but he's retired now, obviously. So three active players being LeBron, uh, Chris Paul, and Carmelo Anthony. I don't really see why you would think that you could um, play with the Lakers. Yes, I know that they don't have a lot of roster spots filled just because LeBron and AD are sucking up so much of the cap space, but then they did round out their team a little bit. They got Boogie Cousins. Uh, KCP came back. You got Rondo. Um, this roster, this Lakers roster, does not need Carmelo Anthony. He says that he'd be okay with playing off the bench. I don't believe it. I don't think he's willing to sacrifice that much. He's an egotistical player at heart. That's the reason that he, he has been kept from winning in my opinion his, his ego has gotten too big and his want for money has gone way too big i think that that's the issue that's been bringing him down i see no reason why he should get anything for the rest of the league and yeah i guess i'll just leave it at that um to transfer to another nba topic david griffin went on the adrian Wojnarowski podcast if i'm not mistaken um talking about his time with Cleveland, and he basically said that there was no way he was ever going to come back after the 2016 title. No amount of money would make him stay. He was just going to go on until he ended his contract. Uh, Frankly, just because he basically said it's because of LeBron. And as a LeBron hater, yes, I am recording this um, in Boston. I am a very big Boston sports fan, and I hate LeBron with a burning passion. Um... Let me tell you, it is just so refreshing to hear someone who is actually with LeBron talk about it. And since one of the reasons why, at first, I liked Kyrie Irving so much was because he he looked at LeBron and said, screw you, I'm going to be my own man and I'm going to try it. Now, obviously, mini-LeBron, as I will call him from here on out, um, he completely reneged on that and decided to call him after one of the losses or one of the wins that he had, I think against Toronto, um, because... You know he couldn't do it without Braun. He couldn't. He, I I couldn't do it without Braun. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bron. Um, clearly I need I need to be uh beholden to you no matter what. And I was thinking about coming back to LA with you. Like, seriously, no. The the Kyrie Irving thing that's that's long past and I don't I don't even want to address that anymore. I'm just happy that the Celtics got Kemba. But um, the David Griffin thing. LeBron on the Cavs, he was the best player, the coach, the GM. And the owner. He was all four of them. Let's make no mistake about it. He basically held the Cleveland Cavaliers hostage. I'm willing to bet that maybe there were some decisions in there that David Griffin didn't want to make. Maybe he didn't want to go and trade Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love because he saw how that would work. But LeBron made him because that was the only way he was going to come back. Dan Gilbert was basically forced. His hand was forced. He had to do it. There was no other choice that he had. And I just think it's kind of sad. Um, There's... Zero reason for this, for these comments. But David Griffin made them anyway. He's in a, he's in New Orleans now. He's starting a tremendous rebuild with the Pelicans, and he looks to really be restarting this franchise after being mired in mediocrity for so long with Anthony Davis. Um, I think that first of all, his comments were kind of ballsy. Let's, let's let's get that out of the way right now. I really don't think that he had any incentive to make these. But the fact that he is calling LeBron out is pretty admirable just because LeBron is used to having his way with things. Um, the, the very essence of what he's saying is that LeBron really dominates an organization when he gets through with them. Um, and yes, I do think that's part of the reason the Magic Johnson left, not only because Rob Pelinka was trying to undermine him, but LeBron is a very, I don't know how to put this, very forceful personality, we'll say. He kind of he tries to dominate things that maybe he doesn't have any business dominating, or maybe he doesn't necessarily need to stick his fingers in so many pies, and yet he does. And I think that that's what David Griffin was going through. He had to deal with the fact that LeBron was trying to tell him, okay, go and get this guy, go and get this guy, resign sign J.R. Smith, resign Tristan Thompson, these massive deals that put the, the Cleveland Cavaliers in luxury tax hell. And David Griffin was done with it. And yes, he did leave, and Kobe Altman's doing an alright job there, but I mean... David Griffin was the architect, technically, of the 2016 um, Cleveland Cavaliers who won the first first title for Cleveland in about half a century. And he clearly was just felt pushed all the way along that path by LeBron, by Dan Gilbert, and I don't begrudge him at all for calling Le- A, calling LeBron out, and B, leaving. Good for him. Actually showing that, no, I'm not going to stick with the Stars to win. I can make a name for myself. Instead of being a figurehead like Tyron Lue was, a figurehead coach. Let's make no, make no mistake about it. Tyron Lue, I don't think he's a very good coach. He's not. He's basically just a puppet. LeBron is dominating the entire thing behind the scenes and basically on the court, too, because he yells at him there, too. He decides when he wants a break. He decides when he wants to rest. He decides who goes in for him, who, who starts, you know, all that stuff. That's, that's LeBron. That's not a coach. That's not the GM. It's LeBron. Because he is taking for granted the fact that he is a basketball, quote-unquote, genius, he thinks that he can do everything. Yes, he's very good on the court, but some of the off-the-court decisions, getting contracts for quote-unquote his guys, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, aforementioned, um, backfired. And that's partially why he left the Cavaliers. Um, speaking of LeBron, though, and this is this is a quick aside. I'm not going to spend too much time with it just because it really doesn't merit that much, but uh, I saw a lot of people freaking out on Twitter this past week about the LeBron celebrating at his son Bronny's AAU game. um. Now, I don't begrudge him for doing it. He can do whatever he wants. And this is as a Boston fan who hates LeBron's guts, especially on the court. He can do whatever he wants. I'm okay with that. I just, it's not my style, if that makes sense. I'd look at it and say, all right, let's say this is a random AAU game or even a random in-town game. I'm sitting there, I'm the parents of one of the kids on the other team, and there's some random dad jumping out on the court doing that. If it was a random guy, oh, I'd be so ticked. I would probably be chirping. And yes, I, I am young, but I'd still probably go after him. Not physically, but I'd be yelling at him to, yo, sit, sit down, shut up, watch the game, don't make a big deal, don't make a scene, seriously. Even if he was on my team, I'd probably be pretty embarrassed. But because LeBron, he gets a pass. Now, is it... Do I like that? Do I like that way of celebrating? No. I'm more the reserve type. I don't necessarily go out and yell in people's faces type of thing. Unless, you know, maybe I maybe it's one of my friends and I just want to bet against him or something like that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll celebrate that a little bit too much. But, you know, it's not like I'm gonna go up to some random guy in public and be like, yeah, guess what? The Red Sox and the Patriots won this past year. Suck it. Well, I'm not gonna do that. Um I just didn't I, I don't know. I didn't agree with it. He can do it. And no, it's not. Before I saw some tweets about this too, that it's a race thing because LeBron because LeBron's not white, he could he didn't get away with it. No, it's just I don't I think people who are more reserved don't necessarily like that way of uh, quote unquote showboating. I mean celebrating really, and I didn't necessarily like it either. But that's just me. Like I'm not gonna say no, you can't do that. It's his right to do that. He can do whatever he wants. I just didn't necessarily agree with it. If that makes sense. And it, that's just me. I don't know. And finally more of a broad general NBA topic, um, point guards. Now, a lot of teams, they do build around their point guard. For instance, you can look at Portland, Damian Lillard, Celtics with Kyrie, and now, and before Isaiah, now Kemba, um, Allen Iverson, for instance, back in the day with the Sixers. Point guards, if a point guard is your best player, you're not winning an NBA title. I'm sorry, you're not. Um, you look at the guys who have won it, Kevin Durant with the, uh, warriors the past two years or two years prior was the nba finals mvp ford kawhi leonard ford lebron james ford who are the building blocks around which you can build a championship team in in most people's minds so yeah some people believe that you can build around harden or curry or westbrook but most people the prevailing opinion is you're gonna have to go after lebron kd anthony davis kawhi leonard Giannis. Those types of guys, the big guys, the guys who whose bodies won't break down in the postseason and who don't need the benefit of calls because the whistles get swallowed in the postseason. It's just a fact. Scott Foster, Tony Brothers, these refs who are crooked, we'll say it, um, they won't call as many fouls or they'll try and sway it towards one team. But in general, most refs will swallow the whistles in the postseason and let the boys play. Um... You need a big guy who can fight through contact and still get buckets in order to succeed in the playoffs. It's just a fact. Um, I, the I, Alan Iverson never won a title. The only team that I can think of off the top of my head that didn't win a title, built around a point guard, was probably the Isaiah Thomas Pistons back in the 80s. Outside of that, I can't really think of a single team led by a point guard who... Won a title. Now you can tweet at me at JeremyGaren underscore seven. uh, J E R E M Y G U E R I N underscore seven. Um, if you thought, if you could think of one, um, I just can't off the top of my head. So that's why I'm going to say that no point guard, you can't build around them. The whistles get swallowed. Um, you need a guy who can fight through contact, like I said. And that's why small fords and to a degree, um, Shooting guards, small forwards, power forwards, those are the guys that you build around. A Paul Pierce, uh, a Dwayne Wade, a Michael Jordan, LeBron, etc. Larry Bird, and maybe Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson's Lakers or the other team. I don't know why I didn't think of them before, but that would that would be a point guard-like team. So, there you go. Um, going to shift to uh, NFL after this quick uh, ad spot. If you guys are looking for NBA and NFL content, this is the place to go. Fansource Network is by the people and for the people, giving readers great pieces on a daily basis. Interested in joining? Head on over to fansourcenetwork.com join to submit your application. We are now expanding into an MLB, NCAA, and an NHL site as well, an NHL division as well. So definitely submit your applications if you want to write about any sport as we are looking to expand our staff. And with that, we are going to dive into the NFL topics. And we're going to start with the NFL Top 100. Now, they did release the final 10 people on this list um, a couple of days ago. I believe it was was either Monday or Tuesday. I'm not sure. And the number one player in the NFL, according to the players, uh, from last year, projecting into this year, is Aaron Donald. Now, I don't have a problem with it. Obviously, he's a stud. Um, He... Probably deserves to be number one. He was making a run at Michael Strahan's record, if I'm not mistaken, for most sacks uh, in a season ever. And um, yeah, I really don't have an I really don't have an issue with that one. There are a couple other issues that I have with the top ten on this list. Um, specifically with number six, you got Tom Brady. Yes, I know, as previously stated, I am a Patriots homer. I am a Boston sports fan, but I find this list entirely too low. Seriously, like, first of all. Um, you look at the quarterbacks ahead of him on this list. You got Patrick Mahomes, which I completely agree with. Patrick Mahomes clearly deserves to be the top quarterback in the league right now, coming off of his offensive rookie of the year and the MVP. Um, but then you got Drew Brees at number two, and I'm sorry, I I can't agree with that. That is just blasphemous. You think that Drew Brees is going to be the best quarterback in the year this year uh, in, in the league this year? Better than Mahomes? Better than Brady? Oh, please. Come on. I'd like to know whoever was smoking when they made this list. There's some crack being smoked when they when they wrote this out. Seriously. Like, this is terrible. I get that he had a great season last year. He had a really good year. Um, almost 75% completion rate. Um, Completion percentage, rather. But, come on. Come on, guys. Did you see him at the end of last year? Max Kellerman likes to talk about the Tom Brady cliff. Well, Drew Brees was not that good down the stretch here last year. He was pretty bad. Um, I don't know the exact stats, but I'm pretty sure that he was basically a shell of himself compared to the start of the year. Um, and people get on Brady a lot for dinking and dunking, and I get it. He doesn't necessarily throw the long ball as much as a guy like Mahomes or a guy like, um, and, uh, Cam Newton might. But Drew Brees only throws these little tiny three-yard screens to Alvin Kamara, who can make anybody look good. I'm pretty sure he can make Blaine Gabbert look like a pro bowler. Um, there's zero reason to have Drew Brees higher than Brady and Mahomes. In fact, I would go as far as to say I think it should be Donald 1, Mahomes 2, Brady 3. I don't, and sure, Khalil Mack at number 3, that's not a bad selection. Maybe I'd bump Brady down to 4. It's close. But Khalil Mack did miss time with an injury, and I I don't know. I'd really have to think long and hard about that. Maybe right now I'd probably give the edge to Khalil. The Mac Daddy was really good this season for the Bears, and the Bears' defense is pretty fearsome. So I'd say Donald 1, Mahomes 2, Mac 3, Brady 4. And, and then I'm looking, now, why is Todd Gurley number 5? What in the world did Todd Gurley do? Literally, you look at it and you say, all right, he was he had the most touchdowns in the league this year. Uh, he was really good up until he got hurt. Uh, I think it was his knee, arthritis in his knee or something like that. And then you have this bowling ball, C.J. Anderson, this fat, son-of-a-gun C.J. Anderson running the ball and getting the Rams going down the stretch and into the playoffs. Didn't that show that Todd Gurley was very replaceable? If C.J. Anderson's racking up 100, between 100 and 200 yards rushing every night, clearly it's not necessarily Gurley's talent that's creating this. It's the offensive line and the scheme that the Rams run with their their offense. Um, I don't, I'm sorry, Todd Gurley at 5 is a joke. Ahead of Brady? It's it's one thing if you told me, if you got up to me on the street and said, okay, Tom Brady's the number 6 player in the NFL. I'd look at you and say, alright, yeah, that's, that's probably right. I, I could get along with that. And, and fair, 6 is a fair ranking, because he, he wasn't as good as he was during his MVP caliber season, which is kind of hard to duplicate. Um, but to have Gurley and Breeze ahead of him, I I... I have no idea what's going on there. That's terrible. Uh, Rounding up the top 10, you got Antonio Brown at 7. Yeah, that's probably right. You'd have to see how he looks with Derek Carr. But he did have a very good season with Big Ben last year. Even though they didn't make the playoffs. I'd still consider... I considered him for a long time to be the best wide receiver in the game. With Derek Carr, those numbers are going to suffer. But I still think he's definitely probably top 2. It's probably him or either DeAndre Hopkins. Um, You got... Rodgers at nine, or at eight, rather. That's terrible. I don't understand how Aaron Rodgers at number eight. He <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs. He has Devontae Adams, a really studly wide receiver, and he didn't even make the playoffs. He didn't even get close. Yeah, your coach got fired, but come on. Some of this is on Rodgers. He should not be eight. Um, Von Miller... Oh, sorry, Julio Jones at nine. Jeez, I keep looking one down. Julio Jones at nine is fair. He, The dude's an all-around athletic freak. He deserves his money, and the Falcons say that they're uh, going to give it to him, and they should. He's the best. He's probably he's third for me. You got Brown and Hopkins tied. <phone rings> Emma, I'm just going to need you to cut that out, that phone call there, Um, and then we'll start from here. So I'm going to start in three, two... He deserves his money. He's a top top three wide receiver, easy. You got A.B. and DeAndre Hopkins tied at one. Julio at three. Odell Beckham at four, probably. Um, you got Von Miller at ten. All around force for the Broncos. Consistently top ten player in the league. And I deserve that. I think that's completely deserved. Um, I'm looking at some of the other guys on this list. You got Michael Thomas at 13. Kamara at 14. Uh, yeah. Like I said. Breeze is, Breeze is going to look good with those two. Anybody's going to look good with those two. Michael Thomas catches anything within like two feet of him. Um, two feet on each side of his wingspan, which I think is... I don't know if he has a seven-foot wingspan. I'm not sure. He's, he's a little bit of a shorter wide receiver. But he catches basically everything. Kamara can make anybody miss, uh, even the best of them like Keekly, who he faces twice in the division each year. Um, Phillip Rivers at 17 seems a little bit high. I thought I would have put Andrew Luck higher than him. And I would have put Luck higher than Rodgers, but he, he's sitting down there at 20. So, I mean, good bounce back year from him. Um, I think Gilmore, the top cornerback um, in the league last year, I think the best cornerback in football right now is at 22, which I thought was a little bit low. Um, he was the best cornerback in the league on a team that won the Super Bowl and made the game-sealing interception. I think you should got to give him a little bit more credit than 22. Um, but I think the biggest thing to look at, is the fact that Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl without a top 100 top 100 player in the league at running back, at tight end, at offensive line, at offensive tackle, at offensive guard, at center. And the only guy he got into the top 100 is a 7th round quarterback in Julian Edelman who came in at 90. His best weapon was 90th. He won the title. People will be like, oh, yeah, Brady regressed. But, I mean, did you see Gronk? Gronk was to shelve himself this year. There's a reason that he regressed. And this Patriots team still won the Super Bowl. Speaking of the Patriots, because I have to do my due diligence here and talk about them, their defense is going to be absolutely scary this year. Um, they had Gilmore and McCordy ranked in the uh, top 100. Gilmore 22, McCordy at 89, I believe. And... Let me just say that their linebacking core is criminally underrated. Criminally. Uh, especially compared to the other linebacking cores around the league. Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower can both really play. They had really good years. Jawan Bentley, before he got hurt, uh, I think it was a it was like a core injury or a pectoral. I don't remember. Um, or maybe it was his neck. I'm not sure. Either way. Uh, he got hurt in week three. He was a he was looking really good as a rookie. Um, you have Elandon Robert, who might finally be starting to figure it out, despite being an absolute bum. At the start of the uh, his first two years. Now he's finally starting to get there. Um, this Patriots defense is being led by Bill Belichick this year. No Brian Flores to call the plays. Bill is hands-on in the defense. And he is going to absolutely stir some bleep up in the middle of this. In front of opposing offenses. Mahomes. Rodgers. Wentz. Dak. Whatever quarterback you want. Throw him in. Of all varying skill levels, Belichick can make him look silly with his defense. The secondary is loaded. You got Jason McCourty, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung, uh, Harmon, who I don't really like that much, but that's beside the point. Um, that's a talented group of safeties. Uh, McCourty can play either cornerback or safety, but then you go to the cornerbacks. You got Gilmore and McCourty who's your true outside guys. J.C. Jackson, an undrafted rookie, had, a, had like the lowest QBR against last year of qualified players. He's going to be a stud in the... Um, you got Duke Dawson, who can line up in the slot, along with Jonathan Jones. Joe Juan Williams, or Joe Juwan, whatever you, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I think the kid out of Vanderbilt, if I'm not mistaken. Drafted, I think, 45th. He's going to be very good, second-round pick. Um, and then you got Keon Crossen, who's a special teamer, but he's still not bad. And, like I said, this, this defense... As long as they can get some guys up front to perform. Chase Winovich, maybe their third-round selection. After losing Trey Flowers, you're going to need to step up and and help with that. Um, They signed, I think, Mike Pennell, a nose tackle. A lot of the league is trying to get up the field now and sack the quarterback as fast as possible. The Patriots look to be doing the opposite. They are going for the ground-and-pound offense as well as the defense who can just stay in front of you and make plays, which is why these 300-pound, beefy dudes you don't really see the field as often now because you need a guy as fast as a Khalil Mack or an Aaron Donald. Um, and they just don't, those guys at that weight just can't really do it. The Patriots seem to be taking the opposite approach. And I think it's going to result in one of the best defenses Belichick has had since the 03-04 seasons led by Teddy Bruschi and Willie McGinnis, Ty Law, Rodney Harrison, uh, Mike Vrabel, those guys. This is going to be a studly defense, a studly, studly defense. Um, now to a little bit of a darker subject, the Tyreek Hill stuff. I don't know how this dude is playing week one. I don't know how this dude is at training camp. This is absolutely absurd that this dude got away with no penalty whatsoever. I don't give a crap about any audio tape. All you have to know is that his uh, his kid's arm was broken, and it was his fault, okay? Yes, the audio, and the audio, some of the audio proved it. Now, the full audio made it seem quote-unquote murky. I don't really see what there is to see here. He clearly should have been punished. I Come on. If Josh Gordon can't play because he smokes weed, and well, as well, he should stay off the weed. But still, how is Tyreek Hill playing? It makes no sense. It makes absolutely zero sense. If the NFL wants to set a hard line like they did, like they they supposedly wanted to do in the wake of the Greg Hardy and the Ray Rice and the Kareem Hunt now, and yet Tyreek Hill gets off scot free, a repeat offender. Yes, you can't punish him for what he did in college, but at the very least, you should see that he has a track record here. He's a, he has patterns. Scary, scary patterns. His kid's life could be in danger. You don't know. And he doesn't receive any repercussion? Roger Goodell, that is, that is inexcusable. Absolutely inexcusable. And you know what? If, let's say, Julian Edelman got popped for this, I would be right up with the front of him saying that he should be gone, too. Yeah, it would hurt, but that's the right thing to do. You have to do that if you're the NFL. The fact that they didn't is a joke, an absolute joke. All right, I just had to say my piece on that because I didn't get to say it um, during the week that I was off and it just, it bothered me to no end. Um, seriously, Tom Brady gets four games for supposedly deflating footballs and Tyree Kill's still playing. Oh, oh, that's, that's awful. That's absolutely awful. All right, a little bit of a lighter note to end on here. Fantasy football right around the corner. And uh, I just want to talk about a little, little bit about maybe my fantasy team last year, what I think that you should, you should be looking at this year. Um, so first of all, let me just say that I won my first fantasy league last year. Woo, yay, let's go. Um, <laughs> mostly because my running backs were Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, and James White. Uh, I didn't really have anyone else besides that. I think I had like Demaryius Thomas was one of my top wideouts. I had AJ Green and he got hurt, so that was a big blow to me. But either way, um, soon I I rode Gurley and McCaffrey and White all the way into the last week of the season, the championship, and uh, Gurley was hurt. So I picked up C.J. Anderson with an hour and a half to go before my four o'clock, before the 4 o'clock game started on championship weekend. And uh, C.J. Anderson picked me up like 30-something points and helped out because I picked up Antonio Callaway for this that week too. He got a fat zero. And I beat the team I was facing to win my first ever fantasy league. So I'm hoping to repeat this year, maybe in a league that actually matters that I put money on because that would totally help me. Uh, in terms of what I'm looking for, maybe a fantasy nugget or two, uh, Maurice Harris, the wide receiver for the Patriots, is really impressed throughout camp. Veteran journeyman, looking really, really good. Um, I think if you can pick him up, just because the Patriots offense is going to struggle out of the gate, because they're missing Gronk, and they don't and they won't have Ben Watson for the first four games, maybe try and go and get Maurice Harris. I think he's going to be the new diamond in the rough of the Patriots. I'd really like to see it, obviously. Um, we'll see. I would stay away. From any of the Eagles, I think the Eagles are starting to become a brittle team, a team that will always be decimated by injuries, kind of like the Chargers have been for years as well. Um, Although I can finally say, maybe you go, you can go back to the Chargers now. I I had stayed away from Keenan Allen for a bunch of years because he kept getting hurt, and he finally put up a full season. Now, as I say that, I'm probably just jinxed him. So knock on wood right here. Um, Hopefully that doesn't happen. But in terms of other guys that I'm looking at, I don't really necessarily have a specific player. More like a philosophy that I like to use, which is uh, stay away from the Texans this year. I like to stay away from certain teams. Texans, their offensive line has gotten even worse somehow, and Deshaun Watson got absolutely murdered last year, so definitely watch out of that. Um, maybe take Hopkins, I don't know. I'm probably going to try and stay away from him, unless it's just I'm at a spot in the draft where I just can't refuse him. Um, I think Josh Jacobs is going to be pretty good, even if he hasn't reported to training camp yet. Once him and the Raiders agree on a contract, I think that he could be pretty decent. Um, Maybe as a third running back. Not necessarily one of your top two, but as a flex option. Uh, I don't think Darnold's going to make the jump this year. I know a lot of people are jumping on him as a guy that they think is going to be really good. I I would not count on it. Um, I don't think that Darnold... Even with Bell in the backfield, is going to make much of a difference. I would say, speaking of Bell, jump on him. I I traded him straight up for Odell last year because I thought that he would come back. He didn't um, because I had a bunch of wide receivers that were really good. I had, like, Michael Thomas on that team, I believe. I, I, I'm I one of those people who likes to do, like, five different fantasy teams. A couple joke ones, a couple ones that matter. And then maybe if I'm bored, I'll just be like, oh, just draft another one, you know. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I think that Bell's going to be an absolute horse this year, depending on if the Jets offensive linemen can give him any semblance of blocking. He's going to be very good. Uh, look for him to have a big year. Thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at FansourceHQ, at NFL Fan Blitz, and at NBA SixTH Man. That is NBA SixTH Man. And head on over to Facebook to like our page. There are a lot more Twitter accounts that I have not caught up on. I think the one's called uh, at NFL and at MLB Across the Diamond. Um, there are a lot more things in the works of Fansource, and we will get back to you as they develop our baseball site is launching August 18th, I believe. Uh, we have our NHL and college content being ready to debut soon, as well as the NFL season around the corner. So definitely stick with us. Follow us on Twitter, uh, follow us on Instagram at fansource H, uh, at fansource HQ, I believe, um, where I am the one posting all the content, final scores, graphics, etc. Um, with the nba and the nfl uh with all my plugging done my name is jeremy thank you guys so much for listening and i'll see you in the next episode